I have to uh, do a little bit of a word study today because uh, in, in this section we're going to talk about lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Um, there is a little bit of confusion uh, there as to what Jesus is really saying. And uh, when you look at context and you look at other scriptures in the Bible that might seem to maybe contradict what Jesus is saying, I want to sort all of that out for you today. Um, because my desire is for you to have confidence in God's word, uh, because I believe that it's true. I believe that the Bible that you have uh, is the inspired word of God. Um, some of the translations that have been done are not the greatest ever, um, and so we do suffer through that, but I do believe that God's word um, is uh, without error in the sense that there is nothing that is printed in the major translations that is gonna cause people to stumble or that contradicts uh, anything that God has said and established in his word. I believe him to be true. And I believe his word to be true. And uh, so because of that, I could put my full confidence in his word. Uh, if I believe that there were parts of God's word that were not authentic or real, uh, then it would be possible for me to just say that, do a couple of things. It would be possible for me to just say, to pick and choose what I believe from God's word. And I don't think that's the right thing to do with your life. Um, another thing that I could do is I could say, because one thing is off, the whole thing is off, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody, if I, if I told you, hey, let me give you some brownies this morning. And while I was mixing them, I put just a little bit of my dog's poo in there. Would anybody want those? Some of you like brownies so much, you still eat those brownies. But, uh, <laughs> but you wouldn't. If it's false, then, then the whole thing is off. So we have to throw our confidence into it. Um, and I'm just betting my life uh, on the fact that Jesus is who he says he was, as revealed in his word. Can I get a big hearty amen? If you believe it, if you don't, you don't have to, but I believe that. So let's go to Matthew chapter six, and I want to read just this prayer to you one more time. This is what the Bible says. Matthew six and nine says, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. Some translations say evil, uh, the New King James and the NIV and some others say evil one because uh, evil has a representative, he is the devil. And uh, so when we're talking about evil, we're not just talking about the scope of evil, but we're actually talking about the person of evil and that is the devil. And we're gonna see that through scripture. So let's pray. And let's jump into a little bit of a word study. And then by the time it's over, I promise you, you'll be encouraged and you won't feel like you were sitting in a class for 35 minutes. All right, here we go. Father, we thank you for this incredible opportunity to be in your house. Uh, you've been so good to us, so faithful. You've shown us in your word so many wonderful things. You keep pointing us to the freedom that we have in Christ. And I just believe that that is what we are designed to do as preachers. 
as leaders is to lead people to the freedom that they have in Christ. Matter of fact, Jesus said that the spirit of God was upon him and had anointed him to preach the good news to the poor, to, to open blinded eyes and to set at liberty those that were held captive. And so today I pray that anyone who is held captive in any thought, imagination, idea, falsehood, deception, would be set free in the name of Jesus. And we declare the freedom reigns in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody shouted amen one more time. All right, well, let's just look at the word uh, tempt because this is the biggest word that we see. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And immediately, if you've been in church at all or if you've had a conversation with someone who is trying to make the Bible look as if it contradicts itself, they will pull out a couple of scriptures uh, to make the Bible look as if God is saying one thing and uh, here and another thing here. And I wanna show you how they all actually line up. So if you look at Matthew six thirteen, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Some people would go to the book of James and talk about how in James chapter one, how it talks there that God does not tempt anyone with evil, neither can he be tempted by evil, right? Well, others would go to Genesis 22 and one, and in Genesis 22 and one, the Bible literally says, God tempted Abraham, okay? So we've got to, we've got to discover what is God actually saying. Okay, if you look uh, at our language and you look at the depth of the Greek language, they're very different. In other words, we use the same word to describe how we feel about pizza to talk about how we feel about our spouse, all right? So I say, I love pizza, and I say, I love my spouse, but I don't mean I love pizza <laughs> the way I love my spouse. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So our, 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 our language is a very, uh, a very uh, simplistic in the sense that we use one word to describe a whole broad set of emotions, right? And the same is true of the Greek language, but they had um, some intricacies that they would use to describe one thing uh, over another. And so when you see the word tempt, the word tempt actually has many different meanings in the New Testament, in the Greek language, and has one really specific meaning in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew language. And I'm gonna give you some verses so that we can kind of break down the difference of the meaning, and we can see where tempt means to entice to sin, and tempt means to test or to try, okay? So let's look at this. Genesis 22 and one, where we first see the word tempt, it says this, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. Now, in this was where God asked Abraham to sacrifice the son that he had just gave him by promise. And because Abraham knew God was not a contradiction, God, Abraham was willing to do what God had said because he knew either one of two things was going to happen either God was going to provide a sacrifice or God was going to raise his son Isaac from the dead. So he trusted God, and God was tempting him in the sense that he was testing his faith. So the word tempt means test, okay? Does that make sense? So we see that. It's the Hebrew word here in Genesis 22, N-A-C-A-H, and it's said, Nasa, in which it means this, to test, to try, to prove, to tempt, 
to assay, to put to proof or test. Now let's go to a different uh, use of the word tempt in the Old Testament. This is what the Bible says in Psalm 95 and eight. It says, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. This word is the Hebrew word M-A-C-C-A. It's massa, which means testing, proving, or trial. So, so do you see how the King James Version would take the word testing and proving and translate it into the word temptation? Does that make sense? Okay, all right, let's go to another one. Psalm 66 and 10 says, For thou, O Lord, O God, has proved us, thou has tried us as silver is tried. This is the Hebrew word B-A-C-H-A-N or bakan, B-A-C-H or bakan or bakan or bakan, however you want to say it, tomato, tomato, which means to examine, to try, to prove, okay? For thou, O God, has proved us, and, and this one literally means to test or to try or to prove like uh, jewelry, like uh, gold, or like it says in this, this verse, silver, Right? All right, so you have three different words for tempting and proving and trying that, that all mean the same thing, but they have a variation uh, in, in how they're used in context. Like, I love pizza, I love Monica. Make sense? Okay. All right, so here's another one. James 1 and 3, one of the most common uses uh, when we're talking about the word tempted. The Bible says, let no man say... When he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. Check this. There's a qualifier here. God cannot be tempted with evil, nor does he tempt any man. All right? So here's the qualifier. Here's how you break down how God could say he tempted Abraham and he does not tempt any man. It's this simple word, you look at it, it's the word evil, okay? When God is saying, I don't tempt anyone, in other words, what God is saying, I don't set anybody up for sin, all right? And we see the context of that in James because James teaches us this. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. And it tells us that we are drawn away into temptation by our own lusts and desires, so we cannot look up to heaven and blame God. And apparently it looks like we can't even look down to hell and blame the devil. It looks like when we do wrong, it's whose fault? It's our fault. But God doesn't use evil to test us or to try us. Only the enemy does that. So check this out. So this is, this is another scripture that, that people use. All right. Uh, let me give you the Greek word for that. First, the Greek word for let no man say when he is tempted in James 1, 3 is the, let me spell it out for you first. It's A-P-E-I-R-A-S-T-O-S, if you're taking uh, notes today. It's aparastos, aparastos. That means uh, <laughs> that one uh, is tempted by evil or um, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted with God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. What that means is that God is not liable to the temptation of sin. In other words, God cannot fall prey to sin's temptation. But we see in the Old Testament how God said to us, us, and I'm talking about the people of God, the Israelites, he said, do not tempt God, right? So in other words, he's not saying don't test me with evil, or don't entice me to sin. God is saying, don't 
Don't try me. Don't test me. You ever had a parent say, don't tempt me? <laughs> They're telling, don't try me. You picked the wrong one today. Like, I'm in, I'm not in a mood today. Like, that's what God is saying. Don't test me. Don't try me. And so we see that the word tempt is interchangeable with the word try and test. Is this okay? I'm just trying to help you out. I normally don't do this, but I need you to understand something because I'm getting to something that's really going to bring freedom into your life. All right, let's go to an, an, another use of the word uh, tempt in the New Testament, Luke chapter 10 and 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, this man stood up and he, he's, he's tempting Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so watch, he's not tempting him with sin, he's testing him, right? He, he stood up to ask him a question to test his knowledge. That's what the context of this Means And this is the Greek word, E-K-P-E-I-R-A-Z-O, ekparazo, ekparazo, which means to prove or to test thoroughly or to put God's character to the test. Let's go to another one. Now, this one looks like a contradiction until you study it and you see it clearly. Watch this, Matthew 4 and 1, then Jesus was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So wait a second, I thought God could not be tempted by evil. Well, here is the distinction. Jesus was what? Fully God and fully man. So this isn't the God part of him being tested because the God side of him cannot be tempted by evil, but the human side of him can. That's why the Bible says this in Hebrews 4.15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So the God in him cannot be tested, but the man in him can be tempted by sin. And the Bible teaches us something very, very uh, important to our faith, that he was tempted like us, but he was without sin. Is there anybody thankful that Jesus live this life without, do you believe that Jesus lived this life without sin? Well, you have to believe that because if you don't believe that, then his sacrifice means nothing. And the reason his sacrifice is so much better than what you could have done for me or what anybody else could have done for me is because he was tempted just like me and you, and he lived this life without sin, never committed any wrong, and he is the perfect savior. He is the once and for all, Hebrews says, sacrifice for our sins, once and all for all. Okay. All right. So Luke, Luke, uh, we went through Luke 10, 25. We went through Matthew four and one. So Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now watch this. That same word tempt there, uh, is also the same word that is used in Hebrews 11 and 17. Watch this by faith. Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. So that word is the Greek word uh, P-E-I-R-A-Z-O. They're all very similar, and some of them are just a breakdown or an addition to the same word. It's the difference between tempt and temptation. It's parazo, to attempt to try or to test one's faith, virtue, or character by enticement to sin. Do you see that? By enticement to sin. So it's got, it's got a dual meaning. It's got dual meaning. It can mean I'm, try, I'm trying you, I'm testing you, or I'm enticing you to sin. So let's look at this clearly. When God 
tempts or tests someone, he doesn't use evil. When we are tested by the enemy, he uses evil, okay? All right, so now let's go back to the prayer, Matthew 6. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, this is something we have to understand. Remember last week, I talked to you about um, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. And then we jumped into Ephesians and we talked about now that Jesus has died and the new covenant has been established, we don't forgive to be forgiven, right? We forgive because we are forgiven. Remember Ephesians, Paul's teaching in Ephesians, he said, listen, forgive as God in Christ has forgiven you. Is there anybody grateful that my forgiveness is not relying upon my ability to forgive, but because of the cross, I'm now able to forgive because I've been forgiven, right? Now, as you read this prayer, just, just notice a couple things about the Lord's prayer, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus is actually painting a picture of salvation. And we don't really even connect the dots until we read a little bit further in the New Testament and we see some of the declarations that Jesus makes about his own life, okay? A couple things about this prayer. It is both a a declaration and a request, okay? So, so in other words, it's, it's we're asking God, uh, let your will be done, let your kingdom come, but how many of you know whether you ask for it or not, his kingdom is coming? So it's not just a request, it's a declaration. The king is coming, the kingdom is coming. And, and Jesus literally is a representation of the king and the kingdom in the earth. He's not just a representation. He is the kingdom of heaven in the earth. So he's painting a picture. What did I tell you about Matthew 5 through 7? The, the, the whole Sermon on the Mount is Jesus uh, reminding them of the standard of the law, reminding them how hope, hopeless they are without him so that they, they can look to him as their savior. And so the prayer, the Lord's prayer is doing the exact same thing. <laughs> so our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now watch this. Now these are some requests that are made, but these requests are also declarations when you look at it through the lens of the finished work of the cross. Give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation. The first one is daily bread. Give us daily bread. What would Jesus say in John 6? He would say, I am... The bread of life. So in other words, what we're saying is, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are my daily bread. That's what this is. Post-crucifixion, post now the new covenant has been established. Now we look back at this prayer and we look at it in the context of the totality of what Jesus has done. And now we're not just asking for daily bread. Jesus has become our daily bread. Now we're not just asking for forgiveness. Jesus has become our forgiveness. Now, this is, this is what is so powerful about what Jesus is saying to this Jewish community at the time. You got to remember here in Matthew chapter six, he's not preaching to Gentiles. 
He's preaching to the Jewish people. And he's using language and ideas and stories that they would understand because they would be familiar with their own history. Okay? So, so watch what he's doing. He's, he's taking them through their experience in the wilderness in this prayer. When he's talking about daily bread, he's pointing to the fact that <laughs> in the wilderness, they had bread from heaven, manna, daily. But Jesus would come and say, I am that, but I am a truer that. I am the bread of life. I am true bread from heaven. So in their mind, when they hear bread, they hear daily bread, their mind immediately goes back to their journey in the wilderness, to God giving them bread day by day. Jesus is painting a picture here. See, that's why, please don't throw out the Old Testament. Please don't act like it doesn't matter and it doesn't mean anything. Just because it's an old covenant, what it does is it sets up and makes beautiful the new covenant. And it connects all the dots for what God is trying to do in your life. And he talks about forgiveness. Well, under the law system in the old covenant, they had to offer sacrifices for forgiveness. And they had a day of atonement. And there were, there were, there were uh, offerings and all of these things that they had to do to be forgiven of God. They couldn't hold grudges against one another. And neither should we. But what God is painting a picture for in them is, hey, I'm taking you through your wilderness experience. And then he gets to this last part of the major request here, these three major requests where he says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is not like most people pray it uh, when they just verbatim say this prayer. We've got to understand the context. Remember, Jesus is taking them through the journey in the wilderness, do you know that while they were on their journey in the wilderness that the Bible talks in Exodus 17 about a place called testing and temptation? Jesus is, is telling them to pray and ask God that he wouldn't take them through another testing. But God, would you this time deliver us from evil and the evil one? Can we go to Deuteronomy chapter 8? Man, I love the Old Testament. Watch this in Deuteronomy chapter eight. It might take this really old iPad of mine just a, a minute to get there. Yeah, it's gonna take a minute. I already clicked on the verse and it's just not, it's just not turned. But Deuteronomy chapter eight. All right, watch this. The commands have been given and watch what, watch what, watch what the Lord is saying to the people. Every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to what? Test you. To know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. That he, might make no, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Watch this. This is an awesome thing. Your garments did not wear out. 
nor did your foot swell these 40 years. How many of you would like a little bit of that in your life? You should not know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord God chastens you. Watch this. He's doling out punishment according to how we punish. Watch. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks of water, fountains and springs, flows out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. Watch verse 11. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built these houses and you dwell in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply, your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up, that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through that great and terrible wilderness in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land, and where there was no water, who brought water for you out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you, that he might test you to do do you good in the end? Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand gave me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Then it shall be if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship him. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish as the nations which the Lord destroys before you. So you shall perish because you would not be obedient to the voice of the Lord your God. And they heard all of that and they did what? They disobeyed the voice of God. Now let's go to Exodus 17. Exodus 17. Watch this. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin. There's a wilderness called sin that they went through. That's ironic. <laughs> According to the commandment of the Lord and camped in Rephidim. Watch this. Rephidim means rest. So they left the wilderness of sin, went into a land called rest, and they complained to God. They get out there, and the Bible says that they complained that there was no water. And they said to Moses, you need to give us something to drink. And watch what Moses says in verse 2. He says, why do you contend with me, and why do you tempt the Lord? And the people thirsted for water and the people complained against Moses and said, why is it you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, said, what should I do with this people? They are ready to stone me. And God gives them water from a rock. And Moses calls this place in Exodus 17, he calls this place uh, Massa, which literally means, or I'm sorry, verse seven, and he calls this place Massa, and another name he uses is Mirabah, because the contention of the children of Israel, because they tempted the Lord, saying, is God among us, or is he not? I, I just, I just want to go, I just want to scream what I want to say, but I got, I got to keep connecting the dots. So watch this. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God, save them, and they go into this place of the wilderness, 
to be tested by God. If you, if, you, if you know anything about this story, when they first come out of Egypt, they're only a few days away from Canaan. But God says, I can't take them directly to Canaan because if I take them this way, they're gonna have to fight a fight and they're not ready to fight a fight. So I've gotta take them this way. And so God literally diverts the direction and the, the way they would go because they weren't ready for the fight and he needed to take them through the wilderness to test them, to make them ready for the fight. And everyone who wasn't ready for the fight died. And who entered? Joshua and Caleb. The Bible says of Caleb that he was of a different spirit. Jesus' name can be compared to the name Joshua. It's a name called Yeshua, which is very similar, almost the same name. And, and as you look at typology, Jesus actually is a type. I'm sorry, Joshua is a type of Jesus. Jesus is a better Joshua. So watch what happens in the New Testament. So they have gone through the place of testing in the old. They failed miserably the test in the wilderness. Only Joshua and Caleb were able to make it out. Caleb of a different spirit. Joshua, a type of Christ. Now watch what happens in Matthew chapter four. Jesus, the Bible says, is led by the spirit into what? The wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What happens in Matthew chapter four? The Bible tells us very specifically, let's go there. Matthew chapter four, I'm almost finished. Matthew chapter four, and we're gonna go into, we're gonna start in verse one. Matthew chapter four and verse one. I'm sorry you're having to use your Bibles a lot today. <laughs> Watch it. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, that's ironic, isn't it? 40 years, 40 days, 40 nights. Afterwards, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, it is written. Where were we just at? Deuteronomy. Do we not hear the same thing? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Watch this. When they didn't have bread to eat, they complained and God gave them bread. The test was, can you trust God without complaining? Can you trust God without trying to make your own way? Can you trust God to feed you in the right timing? And where we failed the test and our faith failed, Jesus passed the test when he looked at the devil and said, I'm really hungry right now, but man does not live by bread alone. I'm not gonna talk negatively about God in my wilderness because I know even in my wilderness, God has a plan for my life. He has purpose for my life. And if he wants to turn these, turn these stones to bread, he'll turn the stones to bread. If he wants to drop some manna from heaven, he'll drop it from heaven. If he wants to just satisfy my stomach with himself and I don't even need a thing, God can do whatever he wants to do. But I will not test God. I will pass the test that God has given me in the wilderness. So he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up in the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt 
the Lord your God. So in other words, the test that you and I were unable to pass, Jesus goes into the wilderness and he passes the test for us. Watch. Again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. He said to them, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him alone shall you serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Can I tell you what Jesus is saying in the Lord's prayer when he tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. He is actually asking us to pray for our own deliverance. He is actually asking us to pray and he's actually literally asking the Jews to pray that Jesus would do for them what they could not do for themselves. And he is, he is setting them up, in other words, to say, you need me more than you think you need me because without me, you fail the test every single time. You can't pass a test on your own. Matter of fact, I've got to take the test for you. And when I take the test for you, I'm going to pass with flying colors. It's going to be 100%. Everything is going to be done. In other words, it is finished. When I take the test, it's over. So what Jesus is saying is not only am I your bread and am I your forgiveness, but I am your deliverer. Where you can't pass the test of temptation, where you can't overcome the works of the devil, the Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. So we're really praying, lead us to freedom. I don't know if there's anybody in this room who would stand on your feet today and say, Jesus, lead me into the freedom that Christ came to give me. That's what we're praying. It's not this like, oh God, please don't, please don't tempt me, God. Please don't test me, God. Deliver me from the big bad devil. No, in light of the cross, we look back over this prayer and we say, Jesus, you are our bread. Jesus, you are our forgiveness. Jesus, you are our deliverance. David saw it in Psalm 23. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me where? Not into temptation. He leads me where? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me. Say it loud. I can't hear you. He what? He restores my soul. He leads me in what? Passive. Where do I get my righteousness? Jesus is literally telling the Jewish people, I want you to ask for me. In all of your praying, I want you to ask for me. I'm your bread. I'm your forgiveness. I am your deliverance. It's amazing that they passed through in, in Exodus chapter 17, they passed through the valley of sin into the valley of rest, but in the valley of rest, they complained. God has taken you. If you have confessed Jesus as Lord, he has taken you from a valley of sin 
into a place called rest. Don't get antsy. Don't lose faith. Don't lose heart. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't complain. In your place of rest, rest. If God brings you into a place of rest, he's gonna give you water. If he brings you into a place of rest, he's gonna give you bread. He's gonna give you victory. Don't complain in the place of rest. Don't complain in your salvation. Don't grumble against God in your deliverance. Jesus, you are my bread. Jesus, you are my forgiveness. And Jesus, you are my deliverance. And Matthew 6 goes on to say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For what? For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I can't feed myself. I can't forgive myself and I can't deliver myself. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's throw our hands up in the air and just worship him for a moment. God, we thank you for your deliverance. We thank you that whom the Son sets free, he is free indeed. We thank you that we know the truth and the truth makes us free. Paul would say in Galatians, he would tell us to let nobody pull you back into the bondage of slavery. Don't let people, don't let sin, because Christ has broken the power of sin over your life. I don't know what you are doing repeatedly, but I came to tell you today, you don't have to keep doing it. He has come to set you free from that sin. You can say no to the devil. Because Jesus has declared your victory over the enemy. Matthew 4, the Bible says, he told Satan to leave. Satan left and angels and ministering spirits came to Jesus. Don't miss out on the ministry of heaven to stay in your sin. Leave it today. And immediately angels and ministering spirits and the power of the Holy Ghost will come upon you. Turn away from your wickedness today. Walk out of that evil situation. You say, I don't have the ability to. Yes, you do in Christ. You have victory. I've been battling with this for years. I've been addicted to this for years. In Christ, you have the victory. We declare it in the name of Jesus. Every bondage broken in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you.